So I'm here with Melanie Eagle, who's the CEO of Hepatitis Victoria. You've been to the Global Hepatitis Summit most recently in Toronto in Canada, and before that you were in Central Asia in Georgia. Tell me a bit about the Global Hepatitis Summit. It's conventionally been a summit for clinicians and researchers considering or involved in viral hepatitis, but this time they were seeking to include a public health stream Part of that was incorporating a village uh, organised by the World Hepatitis Alliance. Similarly, they sought people to present in relation to public health aspects. I submitted an abstract about our street shot program, which was accepted and I took over there to be presented as one of the posters. What was the response? There was interest. It was uh, certainly on the more community-based side of things because it tends to be, historically it has been, and it's still moving away from that perhaps slowly, more clinically focused and, and research. And so there's, you know, there's lots of data and graphs on many of the other posters. Ours is a pretty exciting-looking, uh, more graphic, large poster showing some of the entries and the exhibition launches that we've had, as well as justifying the need for responding to young people at risk and educating them about hepatitis. For anybody who doesn't know, Street Shot is a competition we hold annually um, for young people to take images or videos um, in relation to their experience or their perceived experience of viral hepatitis. We've educated thousands of young people over the several years that it's been running and then received quite a lot of uh, entries and then we're able to now share them digitally and inform more people about it. And I guess this was just another opportunity to inform people about the different initiatives that are available. And were there any main themes that really popped out? Eradication by 2030 is still a big Mm. one. It was really, are we on track to achieving the agreed Uh, aspiration of elimination of viral hepatitis by 2030, which countries were on track. Of course, one can't be precise about that. There's a lag in terms of collecting the data. And also, interestingly, there was a bit of movement on that. So some countries were accelerating their response and some were actually slowing their response, taking the foot off the pedal. And so they'll have to, you know, earlier assumptions were being fine-tuned so while you know Egypt was going gangbusters and Georgia as as well both in relation to hepatitis C but not B uh, Brazil was responding to both Australia is certainly lauded as uh, acting well and probably being but that's you know not not, as I say, precise, probably being on track in relation to both B and C. Uh, Some countries, as I say, were regarding as perhaps slowing down their efforts, and that included, interestingly, Germany. But one thing I concluded from the different presentations and talks that I attended was that the circumstances so varied in different countries, so perhaps I didn't mention it, but Iceland was one that's also Uh, said to be doing very well in relation to hepatitis C but the people the actual numbers that they're dealing with are tiny it's a small population and so they're able to actually target the very few and I'm merely meaning tens of thousands you know maximum people who are involved and with some intensive 
effort and targeted education they've really made inroads and that's so different to something like say Mongolia where they are also taking great strides but it's facing the challenges of a poor health system very poor surveillance and all that remoteness and challenges of educating people particularly in relation to hepatitis B which is their focus so you really got a sense of the different challenges and the different tailored responses that were needed. So I think it is Pat here I don't think anybody's holding up the kind of this is the solution so instead efforts such as that summit and the various other mechanisms that exist for people to share knowledge are more about let's reflect on learnings and take what we can that would assist. So Australia, you know, we had presenters from Australia, such as uh, Gregory Dorr from the Kirby Institute and Margaret Hellard from the Burnett Institute, able to talk about our innovations in relation to surveillance, in relation to pharmaceutical listing and uh, of hepatitis C cures and how, how that occurred and making treatment available in prisons. Those things, for example, were celebrated and people, you know, were partly envious about our opportunities but also hopefully took away some possibilities of what they might aspire to. Um, Do you think that's really the, the main function of these types of international events? And is that why you'd advise people to go? It's not all... Let's go because it's necessarily going to be a benefit to everybody. I think one has to be pretty judicious about uh, what you participate in and uh, that was the approach taken to by Hepatitis Victoria. Let's see what we can learn from this as a way of communicating and my desire to share back with others. I guess generally I'm very committed to global collaboration and learning in population health efforts and a lot is achieved by that and this was us playing our small part. Taking that theme, you were in um, Central Asia, in Georgia, before you were in Canada, and you met up with some of the people that working in viral hepatitis prevention and eradication there. Can you talk a bit about that and the circumstances that they face and what you learned there? Certainly. I took the opportunity just when I was personally travelling in Georgia And it's got an exciting program there where actually one pharmaceutical company has invested in an intense manner and an informed way with some international experts guiding the approach to make their particular uh, pangenotypic drug available to people for free in the whole country and to work with the places where people needed to be educated about its availability and also educated about the risk of ongoing transmission so that they didn't just cure people but they also stopped new people from acquiring or from reacquiring uh, hepatitis. So, for example, I've visited services that worked with people who inject drugs to see what they were doing around rapid testing, community education, support for people to access services and collaborating with research agencies and clinical services. So that's what I saw. Georgia was a very interesting example. Again, it did show how circumstances were you know, unique. They do have a relatively high proportion of people uh, affected by hepatitis C, about 10% of the population or a bit more, but they have a relatively compared to Australia and other perhaps quote first world countries not advanced health system it was about maximizing uh, the access to clinical services 
they do have some progressive programs in relation to people who inject, but through this mechanism, they're actually scaling those up. So they've done some small pilot projects since uh, 2015, assessed them using a kind of research framework, and then we're now rolling them out to 14 different sites across the country where they were doing active outreach in relation to people at risk, rapid testing, linking into services. And they were only able to do this by the drugs being made available for free by that pharmaceutical company Mm. because the country itself couldn't afford to do what, say, we're doing. 10% of the population is extraordinary, really, isn't it, to to have um, exposure to hepatitis C. And so that reflects a situation of really the two drivers being uh, medically acquired hepatitis C through poor infection control in medical services and other procedures and also uh, injecting drug use in unsafe manner. With those two factors, you know, really it's a pilot of a countrywide intervention. What's the role of stigma there in hepatitis C? Is it it, um, pronounced? Certainly it was discussed and they do have an aspiration to reduce that. And yes, it's uh, linked again to injecting drug use. I'm not sure and I'm not really educated enough to make a proper assessment, but because of that higher prevalence and because of the acquisition through medical routes as well, in a way that kind of takes some of that uh, pointedness or the stigma away. It was interesting if we go back to what I was talking about earlier with the Global Hepatitis Summit in Toronto, Stigma is certainly, you know, all pervasive, yet it does have different flavours and characteristics. You know, some countries don't even have a word for hepatitis. Others, as I say, it's somewhat mitigated because of its huge prevalence. Is there anything you've learned from both of the, the visits? Any common things that emerge? There is value in this aspirational goal and some targets around elimination, which we have globally and it's important to have those embedded in each of the countries. So the countries who at least formally subscribe to those aspirations and then consider programs are the ones that are more advanced. The ones where they don't actually take a deliberate approach, of course, are being left behind. Then there's the innovation and responsiveness to the circumstances that's critical. So you you see that, you know, people being prepared to, when I say people, the agents and the players that can influence what occurs, government, people, people involved in policy, clinicians, researchers and community organisations, you know, scope for innovation and different approaches to respond to the different circumstances. There's the importance of of the learnings meted by an appreciation of the different circumstances and really the opportunities available, including economically and, as we said, and health systems wise. At this point in time, there's caution about feeling confident that it's necessarily going to happen. In fact, the... Eradication, you mean? Elimination. Elimination. The the goal of elimination is necessarily going to occur. In fact, we're at risk at times if the pressure is taken off of having that goal slip further downstream, and that's already occurring in some places. So there remains an urgency 
it's something we've got to continually reflect on. Well, if we're perhaps responding to this priority population, what about that? So we've got to combine our prevention efforts with our treatment efforts, for example. You know, it's, it's not a simple response and we have to keep uh, applying pressure and being innovative if we are actually going to achieve the elimination goals. That was Melanie Eagle, the CEO of Hepatitis Victoria. And if you want to find out more about what we're doing at Hepatitis Victoria, more podcasts, videos and other information, go to our website, which is hepvic.org.au. Thank you very much.